You are listening to an audio broadcast from the Charlottesville Vineyard Christian Church. Has anybody here ever taken the chance to, to do some gardening, like grow plants, tomatoes? I don't know, some, some of us have a little bit. Well, Megan and I took our first shot at it um, this last summer, and uh, that's me, planting tomatoes near a wall by our house. Um, one of the things that um, I would just say in terms of gardening, this summer was a summer of learning for, for Megan and I. Um, we, uh, just a, a quick little story. We went to um, the nursery and uh, wanted to buy cucumbers and uh, peppers, thinking, okay, this, this is great. You know, we'll, we'll get things going here. And, uh, oops, door's locked. So we, we did. We go to the store, and at the store, at the nursery, they have um, these little plants, you know, just little baby plants. And um, so we didn't try to do the whole buy seed thing. That just seemed too uh, overwhelming. Um, so we get these little plants, and, and um, they, I guess they come in six packs, right? So we thought, okay, well, that's, that's one. We should probably get three, or three of those maybe, three little six packs, and that would probably do it. And that might feed us enough cucumbers and um, and uh, peppers during the summer. We didn't know. You know we didn't know what, what the yield was. And uh, peppers um, yield maybe as much. So we had about 18 plants of each. And we were thinking they're so small, you know. Uh, we should just plant them. And we planted them all real close to each other. You know, like, hey, let's just. <laughs> like, that can't be right. They're so small. And then if you remember this last spring, it was a very, very rainy spring. So everything just shot up. And um, you can imagine we had all sorts of problems. Things were planted too close to each other. Um, we had a, a tomato plant that um, we had six tomato plants. You might sort of be able to see them over on the left-hand side here, um, planted very close to one another. And um, and during the course of the summer, after they had grown up, I mean, these things got to be way up there. Um, but during the course of the summer, um, we tried prune. We we figured, hey, that that sounds like something that you ought to do to your garden is prune. Um, so you just go and you rip vines off, right? That's sort of what you do. Well, that's what we thought we'd do. Um, it turns out that that's not the best way of doing it either. Um, we would, there was one point, I think Megan had just ripped up a, 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 a branch off and it sort of tore down the side of the vine all the way down to the bottom, basically. And, uh, then, you know, just a couple weeks later, we noticed that a few of the other branches started dying off. What's going on here? <laughs> So apparently it turns out that you need uh, that sort of uh, outer layer in order to feed water through the vine to the branches. And um, so, again, we, we learned a lot this summer about gardening, a lot of what not to do. Um, so if anybody does have questions this year when you uh, start your own garden, um, don't come to us. <laughs> we can tell you what not to do, but not necessarily what to do. Um, the reason why I start out with this is because you think about it, uh, we're in this series on, on restoration people. And in many ways, that tomato plant that was sort of torn and tattered and, and not producing very much good fruit, good tomatoes, uh, is a lot like humanity. It's a lot like mankind, womankind, whatever you want to call us. Um, uh, you know, it, it, we started out just beautiful. This nice little shoot, perfect, uh, gorgeous, ready to be planted. And, um, and then something went wrong. You know, in this case, uh, the, the, the analogy breaks down because uh, the, the, the master gardener uh, didn't rip the, uh, the, the, the branches off and didn't plant things too close to each other. Um, but 
in our case, in humanity's case, we, we've taken a turn uh, in, in a different direction. Uh, you know, God's intention for us was to, to grow up this beautiful tomato plant, you know, really tall, um, these branches that are full of, of nutrients and water and fruit that was just, that was supposed to looking like it's supposed to look, right? Um, but humanity in many ways looks a lot like the plant that Megan and I planted this summer. Um, again, just kind of torn around the edges, um, beat up. Some, some sides of the plant aren't really producing very good fruit. Um, some sides are, absolutely. But it's just very inconsistent and broken. And God's plan throughout history has always been, once uh, humanity took, turned their back on God, his plan has always been to restore that plant. So to get in, uh, repair the, the parts that have been broken, um, provide more nutrients, maybe even, maybe even replant that in, in better soil, soil where there's going to be plenty of water and plenty of nutrients. It's always been his plan for humanity is to restore that plant back to its original intention, back to a beautiful, uh, fruit-producing, um, wonderfully delicious plant. Right? That's, that's been the plan. And that sort of brings me to, again, back to, to the series that we're focused on right now. We, we started last week talking about what it means to be restoration people. And more specifically, last week I, I talked about, I, I worked through the story of God and his people. And at some point, we hope to have that online. We're still trying to figure out how that works. Um, I'm not a techno whiz, so bear with me. If you do want to listen to that, I, I would highly encourage it just so you catch up on the series as a whole. Um, but we talked about um, the whole story of God and his people, how he started out creating creation uh, in, in perfection. And it was in this, this really beautiful relationship between God and the center of his creation, humanity. And things went awry. Humanity turned its back on God, Adam and Eve. We know the story. Some of us know the story of, of the garden. Uh, and for, for centuries and millennia, God has been at work through humanity to try to restore things back to his original intent. And uh, so the rest of this series, that was the story last week. The rest of the series is looking at what does it mean to be restored at the individual level? What does it mean uh, to have a restoration community, the, the uh, oftentimes we refer to the church as the body of Christ. What does it mean that the body of Christ is restored to, to what God originally intended? And then what does it mean to be uh, restoration people working on restoring the rest of God's creation, the rest of the world? So that is the basic series, and today we're going to focus specifically on humanity, on the individual. What does it mean for us as individuals to be restored uh, to God's original intent? And uh, there's a specific scripture that I wanted to focus on this morning. We can stop looking at the master gardener there. Uh, Genesis 1, chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. If you have a Bible with you, you're welcome to join along. If you do not, there, are, uh, there should be some Bibles sitting out on the welcome table. You're, you're more than welcome to grab one of those, take it with you, and enjoy it. Uh, but let's just read through Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So just uh, uh, some observations about this passage. 
the thing that really stands out to me that's said over and over and over again about the creation of mankind, of humanity, is that we're created in his image. So at the very beginning of, of everything, as we know it, God intended for us, humanity, to be image bearers, to reflect his image into the world around us. That's the original intent. So when we talk about what it means to restore humanity, ourselves, back to God's original plan, it has a a lot to do with restoring that image of God in our lives. And now the image of God. Good question. Somebody asked it, I think. What does that mean? Uh, The image of God, is it an old gray man in the clouds? Is that the image of God that we're going after? Do we all want to try to grow beards that would be harder for some of us? Uh, Get really white hair and then hang out in the clouds? That's not the image of God that I'm referring to. And I don't think, uh, although some may try to make an argument, I don't think that that's the image of God that, uh, that he's referring to in that, that creation narrative. When we talk about restoration at the individual level, what we're talking about uh, is his character and, and certain elements of his nature. And so we're going to look more closely at, um, at that. I wish I had a transition slide so we didn't have to stare at the old man on uh, Michelangelo here. Um, so what would that look like? What would it look like for, what's the image of, of man or humanity look like when it's reflecting God? Uh, one place to, to take a, a look would be uh, the, the nature of mankind, so Adam and Eve, before what we refer to as the fall, before they turn their backs on God in their time in the Garden of Eden, right? That would be a good place to look at what was God's original intent. So if you look at humanity before they're t- turning their back on God, a couple of things really stand out. And I touched on this last week, so I'll, I'll be fairly brief. There's a certain proximity. There's a closeness to God that you see in the garden. Um, there's there's uh, open communication, and there's a relationship of trust with God. And you see that uh, as you read the creation narrative, and there's two at the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Uh, in those narratives, you get a sense that, boy, God and Adam and Eve are just sort of like they're in the same space together. You know, um, There's a scene where God comes walking through after they had eaten the fruit, and he's looking for Adam right, in the garden. So there's a sense that there's, um, you know, occasional face-to-face interaction. It didn't seem very odd, like, oh, God, you've, you've shown up. I've never seen you before. It was very much like, wow, we have this normal, uh, everyday face-to-face interaction with God. So there's that proximity. There's a, there's a sense of open communication, as I mentioned. And there's that relationship of trust. You, you know that in the garden, God put two particular trees, one of knowledge of good and evil and, uh, and one of life, a tree of life. And Adam and Eve were free to eat from that if they wanted, but God just said, hey, just, just don't eat of either of these trees. That's, that's the basic. You know, rule over all of creation here, name all the animals, do all that stuff, but just don't eat of these two trees. Well, that's a lot of trust. You know, I think about um, my relationship with my children. I've got a toddler. And I think about putting a cookie or a couple cookies just out in his play area and say, you know, son, go ahead and play with all your trains and this and that, but just don't eat those two cookies. You think that's going to work? Half hour later, those cookies are gone. I guarantee it. But there's that relationship of trust that God has with, with humanity. 
Um, other things uh, that, that come from that, that relation of trust, is, is the freedom to choose. So God created humanity with this freedom to choose what, they, what he or she wanted to do or what not to do. And those are good decisions and bad decisions. And we see that in the, the narrative about the fall of mankind. Um, other things that we see in the creation narrative is, is that, uh, that Adam and Eve are doing the things that they're made to do. God made them to, we know, he, he gives them this charge to tend the garden, essentially, to, um, to subdue all of creation and to rule over it. Not in some harsh, autocratic sort of way, but in a very loving, symbiotic kind of way, um, you know, picturing the lion laying down with the lamb uh, and, and them just sort of tending the Garden of Eden. Um, they're doing what they're created to do. That's what God created them to do. He gave them gifts. He gave them abilities. He gave them talents, skills, knowledge, whatever you want to call it. Um, he created them to, to tend that garden, and that's what their job was. So there's that image of, of God uh, reflected in, in us as humanity doing what God created us to do. And then the final thing is, is that there's, there's clearly a relationship with others, that, that in the garden, um, the image of God reflected through humanity would mean that, that we're, we're fulfilled relationally. Uh, if you read the story about, um, about Eve, uh, God says it's not suitable for Adam to be alone. That's not how he created mankind. It's not how he created uh, humanity in general, for us to be uh, lone rangers us to be out there on our own. He created us to be in relationship with others. And uh, so as a as sort of a um, related to that is, is he created us to be working alongside each other, doing his work. Those are some of the things that we can observe from the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. So if we want to understand what it means to be to restore the image of God in our lives, then that's a really good place to start. That's a great place to start get some really good pointers about what it looks like. Now, elsewhere in the scriptures, you move forward from Genesis, and of course, it, it goes without saying almost, but I should say it. Um, there is a perfect example of what it looks like to, uh, as a person, um, live in a, 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 an image-bearing lifestyle of God. So uh, if you look at the life and ministry uh, of Jesus, and you can read through all the Gospels, and you get a lot from the life and ministry of Jesus about what it looks like to be an image bearer of God. He's a great example. So that's another place that we can learn. And then the, the third place that I just wanted to mention, which really kind of summarizes a lot of, of the life and ministry of Jesus, um, when, we, when we talk about what it means to, to reflect the image of God, you, you, you look at Matthew 22, verses 36 to 39. I don't have it up here. But um, this is a, a, one of these interactions where Jesus is is having a conversation with Pharisees and Sadducees. Uh, the Sadducees took a shot at them. Things didn't work out so well for them. And then the Pharisees take their shot. And uh, here's the question from Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So restoring the image of God in our lives looks a lot like one who clearly demonstrates in his or her own life that kind of love, that love of God, that love of neighbor. That's not just a feeling inside. That's our actions. It's what we do. You know, when we we talk about loving our our husbands or wives, we talk about loving our children, loving our parents, our friends, um, we're not just talking about a feeling. 
We're talking about things that we actually do for one another. So uh, when Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God and then moves on, the second, just like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself, uh, he's talking about tangible acts of love. And that's what we as the church are called to do. It's, it's our hope, particularly at the at Evanston Vineyard. Look at me. That's the, the church we were sent from four years ago. It's still in my head. Um, at the Charlottesville Vineyard, is, is to be a people that are, that are working to restore the image of God in our lives. That's our focus. I mentioned last week that this, this particular series, Restoration People, um, ties very, very closely into our vision, our passion for the Charlottesville Vineyard. And that word, that idea of being a restoration people is so central to who we are. I think it's central to the church, right? Um, but specifically the Charlottesville Vineyard, that is, that is our passion. That's our hope. And so we want to be deeply intimate, loving, and trusting relationships with God while actively loving others in very tangible ways. That's, that's at our heart. That's at our core. Um, and we want others to see the image of God reflected in our lives. We know we're not going to be perfect, but we always want to be working towards that. If, if, if uh, any of us, maybe we'll be blessed to be around 100 years from now, but uh, if any of us were around 100 years from now and the Charlottesville Vineyard is still here, we hope that people who walk in 100 years from now will still say, oh, man, I see the image of God reflected in their lives. That is so neat, right? So that's part of our passion is at the Vineyard is, is to be uh, image bearers, to be people that are uh, restoring the image of God in our lives. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we get there? What's the, some of the practicals of, of what we do to restore that image of God in our lives? And there's a lot of things. Let me just, just start out by saying there's a lot of things one can do to restore that image. I'm just going to focus on a few. Um, number one, I think I have, good, is, is about staying connected. And we can go back to that image of the, the tomato plant, right? This is about um, nourishing that plant. It's about um, your roots going deep into the soil, collecting all the nutrients that the soil provides and uh, the water that it provides. So it, this is about drinking from the main vine, basically. Um, and, and oftentimes this is reflected in, in, in worship. Uh, and that's one way that we, that we do that. We drink from the vine is we just spend time worshiping God. It doesn't just have to be uh, musically as we did this morning, but that's a great way to do it. But it could be reading scripture. It could be um, reading for me, if I read a really great um, work of theology uh, that involves, like, history as well, there's something that just ah, just stirs my heart, you know? I, I just, I, I, this passion just stirs up for me inside. And, and I feel like as I'm reading, I am just worshiping the living God. And that's powerful. And, and all of us are going to have different ways of connecting and, 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 and uh, nourishing that vine. Um, but that's the key point is staying connected, finding our way of connecting with God and then continuing to hit that over and over and over again the rest of our lives. And uh, maybe along the way we explore new ways, but um, continuing to worship God. And again, going back to what I mentioned earlier about Vineyard is our hope is to is to be a community that helps each other go deeper. We want this whole idea of mutual encouragement. We want to be a community where whether it's in our, our weekly worship gathering here or in our small groups or one-on-ones, whatever it may be, we want to be the type of people that will continue to encourage one another 
to go deeper, to go further, to nourish our souls and nourish that relationship uh, between us and God. Okay, so that's, that's number one, is just staying connected to that vine, that main vine. Number two, when we talk about how we practically restore the image of God in our lives, this is kind of a big one, is healing the broken image. So I mentioned earlier um, that we, you know, when we pruned, we just sort of tore things off, right? That didn't work out so well for us. Um, So, you know, let's say you want to restore that. Um, And I'm not sure how you do this, but I just imagine as a gardener, one who might actually know what they're doing, you would try to go in and, and maybe mend a place that's broken. So maybe you take that long piece of, of uh, ripped off vine and you sort of put it back together, you wrap it around, you keep it watered, you keep it nurtured, and maybe hopefully it sort of grafts back into the main vine and, and, and that vine is restored. Hopefully. Is, that, is anybody a gardener here that knows if that's possible? That's just my image of what it might look like. Okay, so uh, you get the point probably. We've all in our lives been exposed to, um, to things or, or even exposed ourselves to, to things that damage the image of God in our lives, right? Um, this could be, it could be anywhere. It, it could be um, parental figures, maybe, uh, and we hear a lot of this in popular psychology today, you know, uh, our parents damaged us in some way. Uh, maybe our parents were, were overly controlling or anxiety-filled or, or abusive or harsh or uncaring or just so laissez-faire or... Um, you know, one of the things that seems fairly popular today is just to be buddies with your kids, you know. Like, I'm not going to challenge them or, 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 or you know, um, I'm not going to discipline. I'm just going to be their buddy, you know. Like, that can have its long-term uh, negative effects on a person as you grow up. So maybe there's things like that that, that uh, are now broken in your life. As an adult, it's like, wow, that really wasn't very helpful growing up having parents that were this way or that way. Um, maybe it's personal choices you've made. Maybe it's... Um, you know, personal choices that, that further our relationship from God. So uh, this could be engaging in really unhealthy relationships. Um, maybe you're in a, in a codependent relationship. Um, maybe, um, maybe you are in an abusive relationship. Uh, maybe it's, um, maybe it's a, 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 some form of, of self-abuse. You know, that could be addiction. Um, it could be any number of things that we've done to sort of crack that image of God in our lives. Um, and it could just simply be, hey, we believe lies. There are things in my life that I just, I, I constantly believe this lie about myself and I can't get rid of it. These are all things that, that um, on the outside uh, uh, represent a broken or a cracked image of God in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is about healing that broken image. It's about maybe grafting that branch back into the main vine. And the process of peeling, I'll just, I'll just say a few things to sort of get us started on the process. But number one is, is inviting the Holy Spirit into the process. That's the first thing we ought to do. And anything that we endeavor to do in life in general, that's a good, good piece of advice. But uh, specifically with healing is inviting the Holy Spirit to be a part of that. It's much, much harder to do without him. Um, another thing we can do is invite a close friend. Or maybe a counselor to get involved in our process of healing. So that's where we start. Um, another thing that we want to do, maybe the next step, is, is understanding who God made us to be. So this is about getting a picture of, of who we would be if we were image bearers of God, right? And then we're looking at ourselves saying, boy, I'm not, I'm not quite living up to that. What are some of the reasons why I'm not living up to that? 
what are some of the things? You know, maybe, maybe, it, it, maybe it is I'm overly controlling or um, I'm rude to people or I'm constantly angry or I'm anxiety filled, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, there may be things that we look at. We look at ourselves and we compare it to the image of God. Hey, boy, I'm not really reflecting that very well. And then we have to ask the question, you know, is this because is the difference due to something that's broken and needs healing or is the difference simply an area I need to grow in? And I'll have it. I have an example of each. If, it, if it's something that's maybe broken, um, you know, maybe I, for instance, I have a hard time going deep with God and trusting him because I'm, I'm afraid of being rejected by him, just like I am everybody else in my life. I, I don't let people get close to me. I keep them at arm's distance. When things start to get close, I, I run away. That's just been my pattern in life. I do it over and over again, and I do it to God. That's probably a sign that something went awry at some point in your life, and you have this, this pattern that, that needs healing. The other example is just I, I just need to grow. And this may be, look, I, I can't spend more than 30 seconds focusing on God in prayer. I sit down. I've got my Bible. I, uh, you know, I have a drink of water, um, whatever else you need when you're trying to spend time with God. And I, boy, 30 seconds, and then I'm already on my to-do list, right? That's probably not because there's something broken that needs healing. That's something you just need to work at. You know, that's just something you need to kind of constantly push yourself a little further along, right? So there's, there's that question of, okay, when I see a difference between uh, what God intends for me to be and, and who I am today, uh, what is the reason for those differences? Is it because something's broken or is it because I just need to grow? And then the next step, of course, is begin working on those broken areas. And again, this is, throughout this whole process, it's really important that we invite God into it. We ask the Holy Spirit, look, um, what do you want me to focus on? I've got a lot. What do you want me to focus on? What are you doing in my life right now? Uh, what is it that you want to work on, on restoration and healing in my life right now? And I'll tell you, those kinds of prayers, if you pray those prayers, God loves to answer those prayers. Sometimes you hear people who complain about, I never hear from God. He doesn't seem to respond to my prayers. Well, maybe if you stopped, and I'm not accusing, but maybe if we stopped asking for a brand new Ford Expedition or, uh, you know, a big home or, you know, I don't know, a wonderful boss at work or whatever it may be, and we start asking for the things that God is passionate about. And not that he doesn't care about those things. I'm not saying that, but I, I hopefully you get the point. If we start looking and listening to God um, for the things that he wants to do in our lives, and we ask him those kinds of questions. He loves to get right up in there and, and tell us what it is. So uh, we, get, we begin working on those. And again, inviting the Holy Spirit, inviting community around you, maybe even connecting up with professionals is a great way to work through that. And I won't go any further on the healing. But that's, that's, that's the second thing, the second observation I have about what it, the, the, the steps we can take, practical things we can do to restore that image in our lives. And when I, again, going back to this picture of Vineyard, our hope and passion is to be a healing community, is to be one where people can, um, can come in, whether it's a worship gathering, small group, whatever, and uh, it can be loved and appreciated even with, if we're broken. What we don't want to be is, is the sort of community where everybody walks in, everybody's got a smile on their face. You know, you had a terrible week, and somebody asks how you're doing. Oh, I'm great. Thanks. You know? Ah, things are wonderful. Thanks for asking. You know, we don't want to be that community with the perma smiles. Um, we want to be a community where you can just you can be yourself. We can 
We don't look up, down upon each other because there's, there's some brokenness in our lives. We all have it. Let's just get it past that, you know. And so we want to try to build that kind of culture in our community. And we want to be a place where we expect God to show up. We expect him to heal. And it may not be super quick. It may not be like, okay, let's just pray and it's done. It may take a long time, but we expect that as a community. And that's, that's the sort of a taste of, of what, from, from my perspective, it means to be an image-bearing community, a restoration community. The, um, the third thing, and actually last thing, is, uh, is really about developing or growing the image of God in our lives. Um, Paul uses an analogy of running a race um, and when he talks about living the life and doing the work of God. This is about the long, often challenging, difficult work of, of being an apprentice to Jesus in our lives, developing and growing the image of God in our lives. Um, it's similar to, again, going back to that original analogy of the plant, it's similar to the process of, of pruning of watering and nurturing a plant, right? Um, you're going to, in this step, you're going to, step, that's not really a step. In this, this part of our relationship with God, we're going to be, we're doing some pruning. We're going to be um, rooting out some of the idols in our lives that get in the way. Um, so here's another great question to ask God. What are the things in my life that are in the way between you and me? What are they? He likes to answer those too a lot. Those are good. Um, this could be uh, 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 the idol of myself. You know, maybe it's pride or selfishness that's getting in the way. Uh, maybe it's the idol of, of money or power, you know, greed, uh, an unhealthy level of competitiveness. Um, there's so many different things, so many different idols that we could put in our lives before God. And really, an idol is just basically anything that we um, focus our life, our attention, our energy towards over God right? Anything that takes the place of God in our lives, essentially. So rooting out idols. Um, Soaking up God is another way. This is study, it's prayer, it's talking about God and the things of God, it's worship, it's it's practicing gratitude, it's it's listening to him, and it's getting to know the life and the person of Jesus. Just soaking up and knowing and and, and, uh, um, just absorbing who the nature and, and the, the knowledge of God is. That's as, probably maybe as, as eloquent as I can put it. Um, another way of, of developing or growing the image of God in our lives is, is discovering who God made us to be and how he's designed us to operate. Um, so again, we go back to that garden image. Adam and Eve clearly had a, a charge, subdue and, uh, and rule over his creation, right? So uh, we... I don't know how many millennia later, but hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years later, uh, we still, it's, it's good for us to understand who God made us to be, the work that he set apart for us, and even the gifts that he wants to put in us or has put in us to do that work. And this involves taking risks and uh, exploring quite a bit. Um, I think about, when I think about this, I, there's a friend of mine uh, from... Well, several years ago, um, he was he was in this job that he just didn't really like, wasn't enjoying things, and thought maybe you know maybe I'll give seminary a try. He was really passionate about God, and uh, really liked to read and so forth. And so um, so he enrolls in seminary uh, up at Trinity near Chicago. And 
I'll tell you, after like two or three weeks of, of taking his first few seminary courses, this guy was just a different guy. I mean, he was just on fire. He was, oh, God is so great, and, and check this out. Look at this word means this in Greek, and uh, oh, man, did you know this about Genesis and blah, blah, blah. And he was just so excited about God again. And it seemed like his whole life was just sort of set on fire, you know, in a, in a good way. Not like, oh, it's burning, it's bad. Um, but in a really good way, he was just super excited again. And, and it seemed like he was doing the things that he was made to do. It, it seemed like, wow, he found himself. When he went to seminary, he found what he was made to be doing. And that is just, um, you know, more on the intellectual side and the scholarly side of, of, of theology and, and studying that and, and teaching it. But that really stood out to me, that time, just seeing him do that and the change in him and how important it is for us to, to take the time to explore the possibilities. What has God called us to do? Are, are there things that he's put in our heart um, that we're passionate about, that if we were doing them, uh, we would really be experiencing that sort of, uh, I'm doing what God called me to do. Um, I think we all have this innate longing to, to know where we fit and how we belong. And this part is, is sort of answering that question of finding uh, who we are made to be. And, and again, going back to Vineyard, this is something that we hope to be. We, we hope that, that we're a community where growth is expected. It's the norm, where, um, um, where people are inspired to be uh, what God made them to be and, uh, and where we'll, we'll experiment. We'll try different things. We'll, um, we'll see if God's dif- gifted us in different ways. We'll explore together who God's called us to be, who, what our passions are. Um, and that sort of thing is really best done in the context of community. And so Vineyard, we want to be that kind of community where people are constantly exploring who God's made them to be and then, and then taking the, the chance or the risk to, to try it out. Um, so let me just, let me actually close with... Uh, with a challenge. Um, I'm going to challenge everyone, including myself, this week to pray and just to ask God two pretty simple questions. Number one, what's broken in my life that you want to work on? Again, these are the kinds of questions God loves to answer. So what's broken in my life that you want to work on? I, I just, I dare you to try that every day this week. Just take a few moments to, to stop Ask God that question and listen. See what he says. And the second is, God, show me who you've called me to be and what gifts you've given me for the work ahead. This is kind of like finding your niche. Show me, sorry, show me who you've called me to be and what gifts you've, you've given me for the work ahead. Ask these two questions. Of God, and just see what He says. I'd be really curious. I would love to hear if if this week you do that, you stop, you take a few moments to ask and listen. Um, next week, talk to me. I'd love to hear, and maybe we can even share some of those stories. It'd be great. I'd love to hear what what God says to you. But I guarantee you that God wants to answer those questions. Now we may not always hear Him. Things are busy in our lives. We. We may mishear him. We may, you know, if, you, if you've ever spent time praying and listening to God, you know it's not a perfect system, right? Um, so you may mishear or you may just not hear at all. Um, things may be too busy in your lives or whatever the case may be. But I guarantee you he wants to answer those questions. And I guarantee that the more that we reflect his image, the more joy and the more freedom 
the more peace we'll experience because we're doing what he's made us to do.